Thanks for tuning into the China Flexible podcast. My name is Verena, and today I'm talking with Pierre about his way to a successful career in China. We look into ways of networking as well as some cultural differences between North America and China. To learn more, stay with us until the end. We'd like to hear also your opinion on what has been discussed. My name is、uh, Pierre Marin. As you may see, it's a French name, so with a lot of R sounds, which is not very easy to pronounce in、uh, Asia. So I had a lot of friend,、uh, local friend, that facilitate my integration in China by rebaptize me with a Chinese name called Molin. So it's been about ten years. Molin is now my formal name in China. Everybody know me under that name rather than my、uh, born name. I'm a medicinal chemist、uh, by training.、Uh, this is at a university level where I discovered traveling the world、uh, during my、uh, bachelor, master degree, PhD, and this is where I really had that passion. After a PhD and a few postdoctoral fellows, I start to feel、uh, unfulfilled on my job. Lab work need a certain personality, and you need to fit in somehow in that mold. Which I was definitively not, and this is where I start to make turn in my career. And I, I was looking at what I can do with my、uh, my scientific background, and bring something else to to that job. This is where I discover、uh, Silicycle in 2011, where that company is making business with pharmaceutical company. So my career take a turn as a salesperson. This is where I discovered that sales is not anymore a push system, trying to make a mass sales like a, a consumer goods, but with Silicycle it was more a technical sales perspective. The HR saw me very suit candidate to go to handle the Asian customer. I never been in Asia before, but doesn't matter for them. They just put me in charge of the、uh, Asian customer. After two business trip. I quickly understand that being on the ground bring a, a very good benefit to the company. This is where I start to convince the higher management and the CEO that it can take advantage of my position to be on the ground in Asia to take care of the local customer. It was eleven years ago, and today I'm the executive director for the APAC at Silicycle. I have a marvelous wife. Who I can rely upon, a great naughty daughter that remember me how much trouble I was、uh, for my parent when I was young. This is about、uh, myself in a pretty much detail. Nice to meet you, Pierre, and welcome to the Flexpad podcast. Let the Flexpad community get to know you a little bit better. So, first of all, what makes you one of us? Means what makes you a Flexpad? I'm someone who move here. And accept right away to be on a local condition, local contract. I never been through an expatriate contract. It's never been a company who asked me to move there. It's never been an assignation. I relay myself very much as a flexpat, living here like a local person, but being a white face. And what would you say makes you and your business unique in this market? The unique part of our business is our customer. We do not have much company that they are dealing with pharmaceutical company. We know that we have a few Japanese company, 
a lot of American uh, European pharmaceutical companies doing business in China, but consulting wise, not much company here on the ground are dealing with pharmaceutical company. Pharmaceutical company are very secretive uh, company. They do not allow easily people to get in and share information with them and these company to share information with uh, these. This is what makes us a little bit uh, special on the ground in China. What are typical challenges they are facing? In China, we have two different types of customer. And I would like to put it on the perspective of local customer and not foreigner, a foreign company that they are established here, but local company, they have a one type that they want to get better. They want to improve their way to do things and align over the uh, foreign or the Western manufacturing system. So they rely on us to give them advice, to give them tips, how to do or how they are doing abroad and what they can do to get better in that mindset. Uh, so we're working with different uh, local pharmaceutical like Arbin Pharmaceutical, Nanjing Pharmaceutical, where they are established here since more than 60, 70 years, and now they want to change their processing, the way they make the medicine to get better. So we walk in, we explain them different regulation, and now to go around this regulation to, to make it uh, properly done. We have another class of client that they are forced to use our techniques, our way to do, because their promoter are the foreign company. So example, you have a, a Pfizer Pharma company that they give under contract in a Chinese company called, called uh, STA. So ST is manufacturing for Pfizer. In such purpose, they're gonna contact us. They says, okay, Pfizer asked us to use that kind of product, how we can do, use it properly. In such way, they ask advice on us how to use their recipes and adapt it on their factory. So this is very two different type of customer. So no matter now if uh, they are forced to do that or voluntarily, who are usually the contacts at your customer? So because you said they also they try to adapt more a Western mindset of processing of regulations, does it then also mean they rather hire flexpats on their side? So you're rather in contact with other flexpats or purely Chinese on the other side at your customer? We can find easily uh, all of them. Um, and I'm explaining myself when I'm saying flexpat is very often an American born in China that leading this company or are inside the company that they can bridge a difference of uh, mindset or culture. But we also have a lot of customers. They are 100% Chinese people. Um, and I'm gonna say proportion-wise, it's about 30, 70%. 30% are Flexpat. And again, when I'm saying Flexpat is mostly foreigner born in China and 70% pure Chinese people. In terms of disruptive, our customers is a very broad range. We're dealing obviously with the purchasing people, but we're dealing a lot with the factory people, the engineer, and it goes belong a very uh, technical language which need to adapt uh, because the wording from China, America, Europe sometimes change a little bit. Do you find it easier to build a connection with rather the flexpats or with the local Chinese? 
for me, it's a little bit easier personally to handle the, the Chinese local uh, people. Uh, Chinese local people, I'm not going to say often, but tend to be very proactive on change rather than saying, okay, I, I got you, I know that. They're going to say, okay, that's fine. Let's me try it. And even though problems comes up, they're going to try again and again and try to go around these problems. And for me, that's make it much more easier in my in my day-to-day -day job. That's very interesting because um, you come from a more scientific background and then going into sales. So how exactly did you do these first steps in getting contacts with, uh, with your customers and how to build up this strong connection, no matter how proactive the other part is? Yeah. In terms of connection, my diploma had helped me quite a lot. It looks a little bit awkward, but having a business card written down PhD or MBA or EMBA, opening up a lot of door. It doesn't matter who you are. Obviously, you have to stand up to that title. When, when you're discussing with these uh, scientists and engineers, the fact that they believe you understand their real problem, bring them up to open the discussion, the conversation. Very quickly in the discussion with them, I let them understand that I'm a PhD in medicinal chemistry. I'm a chemist. I, I'd worked in a process chemistry. I worked in a factory. So I point out very early stage, what are their problems? And that build up to a discussion, to a conversation very, very quickly. And that's what opened up a lot of door. So in case some of our FlexPads do not have a PhD or an EMBA, what would you recommend them to do? That's the confidence, I mean, The message today might be the, the, the word of the confidence is, is never giving up. When you, when you know you're right, it's up to go and hit all the time these things. Because it's happened in the past. People were saying, yeah, we don't need you. And then I had to come back to them trying to find different way to open that discussion, open that conversation with them. Because I know deeply in me, in myself, Everybody has such problem that I can solve. As a foreigner, sometimes we feel we harass them. But in Asia, what I discovered is sometimes they kind of like it. If you go once, twice, three, four, six, seven, ten, twenty times asking similar thing on different angles, they're gonna they're gonna end up to open up to you. And they're never gonna feel harassed about it. So let's call it, it's the aggressive confidence. Um, just name me one question or one really concrete example, how you would maybe cold call the customer or, or have an appointment with them. What would you say to them? What, what would be some of your convincing highlights that you bring? This is a difficult question to answer accurately. In fact, I base all my uh, initiate conversation on the person. So I spend a lot of time to research about that person, about that company, what they are doing, what are their pipeline, who's, who's the manager, who is the CEO, and where the CEO studied, what, what, where that manager studied. So sometimes it's pretty easy way to get in. Like I went to a very little pharmaceutical company in Suzhou, and I know the one of the manager there study at University of Chicago where I made my PhD. I just wrote him 
a message uh, through LinkedIn and by saying like, dear uh, Mr. X, I'm wondered we never cross each other at the University of Chicago because I did my PhD at the same place than you on the same floor of the building and I'm wondered if we didn't ever met in Chicago, we can met in Sujo because I'm there. And it took about maybe less than 24 hours. The guys reply me, yeah, sure, anytime. Just give me a, add my WeChat, here's my WeChat ID. We can, we, we can discuss there. So sometimes it's a very, very easy tricks to get in, but you have to research, quite, spend a lot of time to research on the people in, a, in order to make sure that uh, your shoot is accurate. Very well explained. Do your proper preparation, then find a platform also where you can see what might be common ground. Like you said, you studied uh, at the same university. And then as I see also rather casual talk, right? Just um, approach them and let them know you're free for a coffee or you're free to, to catch up. And now let's do what maybe 10 years ago we were not able to do. Exactly. And I discover also some keyword that now I try to avoid in my I might initiate conversation. All the W question word, now I take them off. What do you think about that idea? Where can we met? I never hand up, where can we met? I'm gonna twist it, how can we met? And personally, I got a higher rate of responsiveness by using how. People, I got a feeling that people get more involved on solution finding when you use that word rather than where or what or why. And also brings us back to the topic of confidence because you're not doubting that you're coming together. It's just the questions how you're getting together. If you look at building these, these connections, do you think it's now a little bit harder than before the pandemic because maybe also some uh, flexpats have left the country or not much difference here? On local people, I would say it's easier than before the pandemic. I got a feeling that in my field, in pharmaceutical industries, the labs rat, let's call them that as a cartoon image, but these labs rats are now eager to met people. And they've been like two, one, two years, not confined, but limited interaction with the outside world. And now when, when as a salespeople or, or technical person, you says, hey, I'm, I'm in your surrounding, you want to met? how we can met in a coffee shop at your factory, the immediately answers, yeah, let's met outside of the factory, let's come to, I'm gonna reserve a conference room. They are, they are quite eager now to get in touch with people. So that is said is mostly when you already have a connection with them. When you don't have connection, it is right, it's a little bit harder now to get in touch with them. But my hypothesis is not because of COVID, it's because all the system in place had involved along with the COVID. An example we know now, now LinkedIn is not anymore a well-established system in China. LinkedIn decide to go down and says, China for us it's over. And now for the Flexpad getting involved with, with specific people using that platform is not that easy. Based on my knowledge, I didn't found yet something for Chinese uh, market as good as LinkedIn. But as I said, uh, we still have more exhibition coming up. I mean, now we have one every month, more or less. And we, we get in touch with a lot of new people. 
would help us to go to visit them and, and put the wheel in motion. But for me, yeah, new context is a little bit harder than it was before. Yeah, luckily the market opens up again. Expositions, expositions can take place. People also can come back into the country. And of course, we are also very interested to hear our audience comments where other Flexpads uh, currently engage with new customers, how they get new contacts uh, outside of LinkedIn, of course. Going a little bit back to, for example, your either first business trip into China or when you first were really settled down here, what surprised and challenged you most when you came? What challenged me most, it's also what surprised me, is the difference of the rhythm. And again, we go to the confidence. You you have to, to pull your confidence and dig into it in order to overpass that, which is going to bring me a little bit in, in line with the resilience because in China, the pace is really different than in North America, I would say. In North America, we're used to punch in at a company, rush all the work you can do over eight or nine hours. Then you punch out and the day is over. Here, the pace is much slower, but people never punch in and punch out. I mean, people gonna reply email at 7 a.m. and they're gonna reply to their boss at 10, 11 p.m. before going to bed. The quantities of work done is exactly the same, based on my experience, but on a much longer time. I tend to say even when we're in Shanghai, the working pace is a little bit more relaxed than in North America, what, what I know very well. For me, it was really, really challenging because when I come, start, was really difficult to fit in that place. I'm a, I'm a really, really quick person. I like things done well and quickly. And then when I was visiting a customer and then the customers bring you and says, yeah, let's, let's go to the tea. And I'm like, yeah, but I want to talk business. And then you take the tea, they talk about a the family, they talk about, um, when I arrive here, how I arrive here, and I'm like, yeah, and you try to switch back on business, you know? You try to, to, to smoothly twist it like a serpent to go back on, on the target and, and to go away from that. So for me, it was really challenging and really surprising because the image I had before getting here was just a quick pace, which wasn't what I discovered when I come here. It's that need from myself a strong resilience over that to not pull apart who I am, but accept who they are and still keep what I want to educate them, the message I want to educate them and bring it into that uh, cultural perspective. And that, that's where it, I, I took a few years to properly integrate both of them together smoothly. It's definitely one of the most typical intercultural challenges, for sure. And I personally, after those many years, I really appreciate this kind of merge or this kind of fusion between private and professional life. So once I think you're into that, you can really get a lot, a lot of out of it as well. Looking into your private life a little bit more, are you mostly surrounded by flexpats or by local Chinese and why? I have to say... Up to today, my friend circle, even though uh, the Flexpat, a lot of them went away, I'm in about 60-40% local Chinese and uh, Flexpat. But 
big point here is when I arrived here in 2012, I really push away all the flex pad from my life. Surprisingly, I didn't use VPN, pending six years, no VPN at all. All my friends, I, I, I'm coming from sports, right? So I, I used to practice a lot, 10, 12 hours a week. All the clubs I registered was purely Chinese. Swimming club, bike club was 100% Chinese. Some of them were speaking, let's say, okay English, but this is where my cultural immersion took efficiency because I didn't try, I didn't come here by trying to find back my McDonald's. Didn't come here to try to find back my pancakes and maple syrup. I came here and I dive deeply in the Chinese culture, which had helped me to understand quite a lot of things. I've been struggle for a few years because I was alone, but I also find a lot of good and um, reliable Chinese people that helped me quite a lot in there, which today make me swim easier, easily into the, into the Chinese world. So this for sure boosted your China onboarding in terms of culture and probably also in terms of language. So based on that experience, what would you recommend to other flexpats how to do it when they arrive in China? Uh, my, my experience was, I think, a very hard one. But I think if you want to come in China, you have, you have to put yourself out of the comfort zone. You have to to go away and believe that you're moving in China. So you give away of where you're coming from. You're not giving away of who you are. You're giving away of where you're coming from. So I'm still born in Canada, but I'm living in China. So I'm eating their jiaozi. I'm, I'm looking about their noodle soup. I'm eating all their drinking their Chinese tea, let's say. Up to now, they have so much coffee in, in, in Shanghai that it's easy to get that. But let's say 12 years ago, when I came here, finding a coffee was impossible. And this is where I'm going to say, you're a flexpat, you're coming up in China, or you just arrived in China, go away from all these flexpat people. Keep only the one that you really rely on and that you can count on, but all the others go away. Immerse yourself in 100%. Chinese world. You like badminton, go to subscribe in a Chinese badminton club. Enjoy the Kung Fu class with, or the Tai Chi class with, with a real Chinese teacher. At start, you understand barely nothing, but more you, more you do it, more you, you dig in that, you're going to get it naturally, and it's, it's coming up. And up to today, I'm not dreaming in Chinese, okay? That's not what I'm saying, but it's helped a lot to improve your capacity to deal with these people. Very inspiring insights indeed. So how do you see a further career development in the, let's say, next five to 10 years? I can't answer to that question. The reason why is because my job is a hobby. I do not do my job for the money related. I do my job because every day I'm improving my Chinese team here teach me so much things every day. They keep to push myself. They keep to put myself out of my comfort zone, even though I think what, I'm, what I want to do is right. 
So for me, that's what's bringing me so much fun here that in five years, it's difficult to say because the day I'm, I'm going to step to have fun on what I'm doing, I'm probably going to change. So what is going to be? I'm, I'm going to start to be a manager for a juice box a company. Why not? I, I love sports. I'm doing a lot of bicycle swimming. Who knows? Maybe I'm going to hands up for a sports company. Uh, I love too much the day of today and what's going to happen tomorrow. I keep it up for surprise and uh, improvement. Let me kindly start already wrapping up. And then after that, I would also ask you some personal questions. So I think one of the highlights heard in today's episode is uh, really bring on that aggressive confidence that brought you a lot of benefits in, in your sales job. And uh, you also said you got a lot of new contacts through that. Then go out of your comfort zone, probably not only in the beginning, but throughout the time you, you live in, in different cities in China and every time you're changing. I know we, we all experience this pace in this market. And also finally engage yourself more with the locals or at least as much as possible and find the reliable people in your environment. Let's see now a little bit more or look a little bit more into some personal things. What are you most thankful for looking back on your career? I'm going to be very thankful for the CEO of my company. 12 years ago in 2011, when I come up to him by saying it's a proper time for you and for me if I am going to live there. For me, it was like playing poker, right? I did one or two business trips in China and I, I didn't know really how it's going to go. For him, it was also playing somehow in a poker because I was like eight months employee down there. I was not like five, six, seven, ten years employee at the company. I was really, really young and there and And I'm really thankful that he says, let's do it. You bring some points that are good. I don't know how it's going to go, but let's do it. And I'm really thankful for that guts that the CEO of my company, Cycle, have. He's, he worked a lot with his guts and it's had paid him up to now. And I'm really thankful for that. Is there also something you're afraid of? I spent a big part of my life being afraid, young, up to 24 years old, I was aquaphobic. And a good friend of me, aquaphobic, I was even not taking a bath, okay? I took a shower all my life. Uh, today, I'm swimming two to 3,000 meters every day. I've been on triathlon national team. Uh, so I fight that fears. So when you ask, do I'm fear about things? Of course, do I'm fighting it? every time. I've been so much fierce about lot water when I was uh, younger that now I decide when I'm fierce about it, it's the best time to move with it in order to get out of that path. The other thing I discover is when I'm scared about, when I, when I got fear about something, it's probably, it's going to put myself out of my comfort zone, which it can only ends up with success. doesn't matter the results is a failure or successful, personally, it's going to be a success. That's for sure. Who should listen to this episode and why? I would say, obviously, uh, the Flexpat who is here shortly, just recently, less than six months. The one who still struggle by saying like, should I go, should, shouldn't go. The, the one who is ambivalent about moving in China should be. 
uh, the person who look at it first. Being outside of that might be scary, but at the end, if, if you put the effort, if you dive in properly, everything goes very, very smooth. Uh, everything's gonna move toward what you want. The second group that may want to look at that uh, podcast would be the one that sometimes struggle. Uh, the one that believe in something but seeing, hearing from the outside. You know that's not Chinese culture. You know this is not properly here. I'm gonna say listen to that podcast because you're gonna understand if you believe it's that, just make it happen. Everything gonna move forward and everything gonna go smoothly upon what you plan to be. What have I not covered during our talk that you would like to highlight to our audience? Mm, not, maybe, not really a topic, but more a message. The first thing, we are all foreigners here. We're a flexpat, but we're, we're, we're not belong that country, so we have to embrace it. In order to embrace it, we have to be really confident. If you're not confident by talking to your audience, uh, the, the, the local Chinese or the uh, foreigner born in China, it's going to be tough time. You have to show them that you know what you're talking about and that you're confident on it. What I'm saying here, the message down to the confidence, is not only to be confident and cocky, it's to be confident but also resilient. So belong the path that you're taking to, Im to implement an idea, to implement a process, you have to be able to move like the snakes with the hurdle. You have to be resilient enough to say, okay, here's my plan. Part A, part B been, been pretty smooth, but part C is not working. How I'm going to take that and modify it to make it happen? And this is the part where, where inside that confidence, you have to give up on something or change up something to move along these little hurdles or go on the side of these hurdles to go back on track of your idea. Thank you very much for your very strong message and your contribution to our Flexpad community. It's my pleasure. Have a nice day. Thanks for listening to this episode. Please recommend it to your friends and colleagues and those who would like to hear more about successful Flexpads in China. If you already joined our community, share your best advice on networking platforms as well as your experience on cultural differences between your home country and here. We would love to hear your insights. See you next time.